podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Hello, so we lurch into the deep catacomb of the final international snooze fest of this year in different spirits this week, with some celebrating a successful four-week stint between the breaks and others, like perhaps me, smashing all kinds of breaking case of emergency glasses to try to pull themselves out of a constipated malaise. Now, Anthony, this week, he's currently doing exams, isn't he, Nick? So it's an old-school two-man pod for us uh, this time around. Nick, you're right, it feels very retro, doesn't it, just you and me? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Yeah, it's back to the original pairing, how it all began um, three or so years ago. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, we are Who Got The Assist. Make sure to give us a follow on Twitter or Instagram. If you haven't already, we're on Insta at WGTA.FPL. Twitter, you can find us WGTA underscore FPL or WGTA underscore Nick. And if you want to join our league, the league code is CPSULF. So on the pod this week, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be looking at what we've learned this season and how we're going to do that is by looking back at what we thought we knew at the start of the last international break, game week four, and updating that, plus providing some thoughts on how this might change going forward. Um, Our correspondence this week is on defences and we also have the Q&A, of course. But first, as always, it's the game week review. So Tom, would you like to go first, perhaps? Oh. It wasn't a disaster by any stretch of the imagination. But like it, it was, it was just a very disappointing week because it was the like the third week in a row that I got between fifty and sixty, fifty-seven this week. Did get the captaincy right in Kane, so I've stopped the rot in terms of arm blanks. But I mean, really, apart from Kane, the only differential performer I have was Che Adams, who got seven points. I guess so maybe McCarthy as well. But elsewhere, there were blanks. So TA, Rhys James, Luke Ayling, Son, uh, Hammers, and Jimmy. And the other two players that I had that did return, everyone owns anyway in Salah and Grealish. And I guess this week I was really, I did roll my transfer. I was planning to just go into international break with two frees and try to sort things out. But it became a bit apparent to me this week that I think my around the edges players um, aren't quite good enough. So I may have wildcarded. <laughs> what about you, Nick? How did you do? Ooh, the wild card. That's interesting. Yeah, um, we'll talk about that in a second. But yeah, um, it was oh, it was a good one actually <laughs> for me, as always. Back to the, the usual swing of things. Yeah. I, I got seventy six points, so uh, yeah, pretty happy with that. Just one of those weeks, I guess, where the fifty fifty calls went the right way for a change. So, like for instance, on the Friday night, I was trying to decide between Dallas and, and Kyle Walker Peters for a little while, and I switched over to Kyle Walker Peters last minute just because of Southampton's seemed a little bit better defensively going um, this season. So I thought I'll, I'll back him. And yeah, that was a nine point swing. So that's pretty good. Sort of going for Kane, I guess, over the Son for the captaincy as well. Another 50-50 call, I guess, sort of worked out. So it's another net six points. So it's very nice to see those 50-50 calls go right for a change. But yeah, it was just a, it was just a really good week. Only two players actually blanked for me um, this game week, uh, which was uh, Zuma and Son. Everyone else got returns. Um, on the Friday night, it started off pretty nicely with Adams, Walker, Peterson, Lamptey, and then Sasse. We got Zaha and Calvin Lewin, sort of, you know, doing a little bit of business. Um, and then on the Sunday, we had Grealish and, and Martinez, and of course, um, Captain Kane and Salah as well. So yeah, uh, generally pretty happy with how everything worked out. Um, good score again. So that's that's nice to see. But Tom, so why are you wildcarding? Uh, well, I mean, I had planned to keep it until game week sixteen, and I guess 
that was always high in mind of what I wanted to do. Um, but my performance t- really doesn't merit it, basically. And I'm gambling that my net games over the next seven to eight weeks will be better than the gain I would have got if I held my wild card. Like, I've maintained throughout that I'd love to hold my wild card to 16, but I'm not going to do it at the expense of, you know, getting there with poor rank, hoping for a miracle for my wild card. So basically, my team's pretty stale. I've had 50s for the last three weeks. I had 68 in that came week, you know, the first one back, when everyone else, like yourself, got 80-plus from their own wild cards. Um, and I don't deny my team doesn't look that bad on paper, but the last eight weeks speak for themselves, really. I've been 1.5 million for the last four weeks, and I feel like I need to make a change, really. There are some things I am going to have to do. So I'm lacking some hygiene players that others will got bailed out by this week, the likes of Chilwell, a Villa defender, DCL I'm probably going to have to buy those things are going to have to be a bedrock of the team going forward and I want to just get them into place um, I had a lot of Deadwood and stuff I wanted to move on and I just couldn't get there basically outside of the two free transfers I had earmarked to jump into um, you know fixture swings so it's not it's not an entirely defensive wildcard but it does sound really defensive it really isn't it's just that I do want to cover some bases going into Christmas I'd need a huge hitch otherwise and Basically, I'm hoping that if I do kind of jump on these fixture swings for obviously the likes of uh, Man United, City and uh, likes of Vardy as well, um, I'd be able to just kind of reshape my team in something which is a little bit ahead of the curve and, yeah, hopefully time the ranks um, just because, I mean, for everyone it's different, right? And I had a usual passage of people when I put my team up going, I don't know why wildcard that, what are you doing? Uh, but, you know, after three or four weeks just average scores you know something's got to change it, sh- it should show you that something's not quite right but sometimes it's worth taking action especially if you know you've been doing the same method the last few weeks of just being patient making obvious moves blah 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 and it's just not resulted how you wanted it to so yeah that's why i'm wildcarding fair enough i think it's probably an element there of you know your original plan i guess was to try and see if you could get to game week 16 without wildcarding and use it to your advantage there but if it got to the situation where you'd be sitting hundred plus points behind, you know, some of your rivals like myself, obviously that's the situation where, you know, if it carried on, I was getting 70 points, you're getting 50 points. You you start talking about sort of sunk cost fallacy as well, where you're just like holding on for holding on to the wild card just because you said you would, and you've got this plan in motion, but you know, there's no point hanging on, I guess, if you feel like you're, seasons being derailed a little bit and you've got these guys that you know you want to cover like Chilwell and uh, uh, the Villa defense and some of the other players you mentioned as like Bruno coming in as well obviously I was getting to the point as well where I couldn't afford all of these players to fit into one team eventually especially if I was trying to do some sort of piecemeal two free transfers roll two free transfers roll thing to try to sort everything out and it was just it, it was just it's just got to the point I had too many fires too much to do um and I pulled it on Saturday night actually I won't go through what team I've got because obviously it will change in the next couple of weeks, but I'll mention a few things about this pod on where I may be. Right, let's move on with the pod swiftly. Enough about me. Talk about the market forces, Nick. Um, Obviously, the last weekend before international break, so some managers, I guess, dipping into the market, getting everything sorted before they have two weeks off. Yeah, it's been pretty busy, I guess, without the Monday night fixtures. A lot of people perhaps, um, you know, making their move straight away after Sunday night. But yeah, as you said, two weeks into our next um, Premier League game. So still quite a while uh, before uh, we, we see the Premier League start again. But it doesn't matter for some managers, lots of moves happening. Um, and top of the table, I guess, is Zakim Ziyech. Um, he's played two games now for Chelsea, or started two games rather. And he's had a really, really good start. Um, goal and assist against Burley and now two assists against Sheffield United and he, he was really really impressive in that game as well um, I was particularly impressed and um, 260,000 transfers 
in and obviously Chelsea have Newcastle up next I know he's a player as well that you were looking at on your wild card yeah we've got some good data on him later on um, but yeah a player that uh, I felt would have a positive impact as a catalytic sort of player for Chelsea and so it seems to have proved in the very early days also the case for Man in second right Yep, so that is Bruno Fernandes, um, 180,000 transfers in. Currently at time of recording for him, and obviously, yep, great performance again for him against Everton this week. 17 uh, points that he scored in total with his two goals and, and one assist, so excellent haul there. Um, and he had six shots as well in that game, which was most amongst all players for this game week. So, you know, really, really um, impressive performance there. West Brom at home next, so even a potential captaincy option for many managers. Looks like a nice plan fixture. Um, Manchester United's fixture is starting to improve, so lots of people looking at perhaps Son to um, Bruno. And uh, yeah, I mean, in terms of transfers out, Son, Son is there. He, he's the fifth most transferred out player, 117,000 transfers out. Um, you know, it's a couple of blanks for him. And uh, Spurs fixtures are getting really, really tough in the short term. We'll be talking about that a little bit later, but they've got City, Chelsea and Arsenal up next. Otherwise, I guess it's kind of the injured gang. Danny Ings, most transferred out player, 150,000 transfers out for him. Uh, Trent's also it's been declared tonight that he's going to be out for a month. So I expect that um, number of transfers out to rise for him. He's been 150,000 so far, but... Um, yeah, I mean, a lot of managers probably looking for an excuse to get rid of him anyway. And, and Sison Mitchell also being transferred out. But yeah, in terms of the defenders, it's, it's Chilwell, who you mentioned. He's the guy being brought in heavily. Very, very impressive so far um, for Chelsea. Uh, picking up a nice goal against Sheffield United. So yeah, that's another yeah, another return for him. And there's another one on your wild card. Um, Breedish also being heavily transferred in for those that don't own him. And also Vestergaard from Southampton, apparently catching a few people's eye. 130,000 uh, transfers in for him. I remember last season he was doing particularly yeah, well, wasn't he? Exactly. And he started again uh, this year. Last year, he, he was the first defender to rise, I think, just because he, he got a goal really early on and got went all the way up to 5.2. So it was 5.0 last year. All that's 5.2, you know, like the uh, the ward situation where everybody just saw he was doing very well one year for Burnley. I think a lucky goal, lucky assist, and people kind of flew on him and he went all the way up to 5.3 or something like that. I'm sure you own that guy. Ward, Ward, yep, Ward. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a legend yeah it seems, uh, it seems he's doing that in this season with his uh consistent returns he's already got two goals apparently so lots of people on Janik don't need to panic if you've got Janik right okay let's move on then to the main thrust of this week's pod and it is basically up dating you on what's been going on this season what can we tell after eight fpl game weeks so in game week four we looked at a few things we looked at what had happened and we chose kind of nominated individuals and teams for each of the following sort of uh, uh, quasi titles so team so far the three top performers we each nominated three the star so far the surprise so far and the flop so far what we're going to do is go back and i listened to us on chipmunk mode earlier on today and look back at what we said and see if that continues and offer some ideas of if we still say the same thing now or um, you know whether things have changed and maybe as nick mentioned at the start gives some indication of whether we think these trends are going to continue so the first thing obviously is the team so far um and 
four weeks ago, um, we kind of all agreed on Everton because obviously they were you know, quick out of the blocks, weren't they, Nick? They were the guys who absolutely smashed it. And I also said Spurs and got widely pilloried <laughs> by the two of you. Anthony in particular, he's not here so he can't defend himself, said I was over-focusing on two good games. I now feel very smug and feel like I was kind of right here because Spurs went on to win four out of four. Son scored 29 points and really two holes in one game, two blanks in that too. And Kane scored 36 and four. But Everton, Everton were the ones we all really loved. Yeah, I'll start with Spurs very briefly. I'm actually thinking that their first four fixtures were better than their last four, technically, just in terms of um, how they played. But I certainly don't feel like I should be pillaring you right now just because they've at least been relatively consistent in their performances compared to Everton, who me and Stag picked, who have been pretty dire since that last pod. And so they've lost three and, and drawn one, of course, um, you know, a few caveats like uh, Richarlison got suspended in game week five. Um, Rodriguez, he got injured. Uh, Luke Dean got sent off in a game. It's only really been Calvert-Loon who's had this sort of steady trickle of points, hasn't he? But nothing amazing in terms of returns. Um, in the last four, for instance, he's actually been outscored by uh, Wilson, Watkins, Adams and Bamford. So um, not too not too great from the Everton assets since our last pod. Perhaps I wouldn't be calling them out again. Um this game week but you know we're not talking about sell 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 because they do have Fulham up next now I know you mean Everton Nick um, I mean they were everyone's darlings as you mentioned lost three on the bounce now which is absolutely amazing really it's like coming to the feet Southampton Newcastle Man United and I did look at the numbers and drop off has just been pretty huge for Everton it's obviously all those factors you listed Nick um, so in the first four game weeks they scored 12 goals nine assists um, in the latter four game weeks game weeks five to eight they've only scored four goals and two assists their XG was 8.7 in the first four game weeks. In the last four, it's been 3.46. So it's been a huge drop-off in terms of attempts, chances conceded, defending. At the back, they've conceded the most shots in the box. They've also conceded the second most big chance. They've conceded more uh, than the likes of Fulham and West Brom. Um, and you know, there's loads of different reasons. Richarlison's loss being big, Awobi and Bernard not up to the task, and Hammers as well. Um, an XGI of 2.72 in the first four, just 0.89 in the last four. So a lot of his key metrics like chance creation and chance frequency halved. No, uh, it's not been very good at all. Looking forward though, Nick. I mean, you know, the top four reads Leicester, Spurs, Liverpool and Southampton. What, what do you think the, the team is now in terms of the, the team of the season so far? If we're now writing off Everton, we're not too sure about Spurs, as you mentioned. So I think Leicester probably do need a little bit of a shout out just because of their performances. The fact they are top of the league. There's been a few FPL players that have impressed, I guess, like some Justin, Castagne and, and Vardy. Though none of their assets have um, really broken that template, have they? Which is actually quite interesting. So even though they're doing well in terms of league performance, perhaps they haven't really caught our eye on a, on a major basis in terms of FPL. And we haven't really been too threatened by them. I'm actually just looking at their ownership. And, you know, I guess sort of Justin is their most owned player right now, with 21.9%. So it's not particularly high ownership. And, you know, the top teams, they have been pretty subpar, City and Liverpool and United. I mean, Spurs, Spurs have been excellent so far this season with Son and Kane. But I feel like the team I want to give it to, actually, is um, Aston Villa. And that's not necessarily because I think they're the best team in the league or the team that... Have, 
perhaps played the best, but I just feel like you know they deserve it because of what they've done so far. They've they've really exceeded expectations. They, they've only played seven games, so that's perhaps why they're not in that top four. If they did um, play the next game, they'd jump up right to, um, right to the top. But you know, five of those games they've won, including victories against likes of Arsenal, Leicester, and Liverpool, which you wouldn't have expected. I mean, their defence has been pretty decent. They've got four clean sheets, which is a joint best in the league. Um, their midfield and uh, forward line has been vastly improved, and that's part of the work that they've done in the transfer window. Um, you know, bringing in the likes of uh, Martinez in goal, um, uh, Watkins, uh, new right back as well in cash, who's been pretty good, and Barkley. And they just look like such a far cry from that team who staved off relegation, finished 17th last campaign. And obviously, they've got a star man in Jack Greedish. And would, would you agree with me on Villa, or is that perhaps, um, you know, touch uh, I don't know outlandish no, I, th- I think I do agree with you on Villa I think they'd be the ones that I'd highlight as well just because I mean, from an FPL point of view it's absolute dreamland isn't it to have viable assets in the 4.5 million goalkeeper defender category uh, a you know the five to six million striker category and also a mid-price midfielder who's who's just a a talisman beyond compare them we're both going to probably speak about Greer a little bit later on but yeah but, I mean in terms of the underlying stats for the team, pretty good. Um, and as Watkins said at the end of the last game, we can beat pretty much anybody. Um, and that is just a really interesting sort of wild card dark horse to throw into the mix, really, of FPL. Just because if the, all the good, all the big teams are smashing it, it does become rather boring. So it's really cool to have options across the spectrum. And uh, you know, I, I definitely agree with Villa. I think you, you said a lot of the points that I just regurgitate, so I'm not going to say them again. Um, there are a few other kind of teams around, I guess, to mention. Um, Liverpool, um, second for XG for open play, the most goal attempts, most shots in the box second big chances to Spurs they could be back uh, in, at least in front of goal um, but I did want to highlight Chelsea from an attacking sense um, in, in an FPL prism of course I've still got reservations about Lampard as a tactical coach um, I don't know whether he's more of a red nap up an atom sort of fella um, but they've created eight big chances and scored seven and uh, scored 10 goals in the last four one less than the leaders Southampton and they're a very exciting team to watch they've had the chance once every 7.4 minutes and they've got a really nice mid-priced team from an FPL perspective as well it reminds me of kind of Spurs' big three um, back in the day Ali, Eriksen and Kane and they're all affordable in all the many of our teams of the valid going concerns of their team you've obviously got Werner at the top but then you've got lots of Havertz Pulisic, Ziyech Abraham and in defence you've got Chilwell, Zuma and um, potentially Rhys James and Mendy who are all valid members of your team who could be kind of bedrock sort of characters so I really like them and I think that the stats seem to show that they are kind of reaching that sort of level of being a very very strong team overall again and last year I think they were kind of a team that flitted in and out of the sorts of teams we were looking at whereas I think this year um, they could well become one of those teams that form kind of a cornerstone of our of our sides I and mean, I think Chilwell was going to be a, a hygiene factor for many going forward especially with TAA being out I think the, the pop to Chilwell is very very clear and someone like ZH who I'll mention later is just just very very big and Werner too one other thing too I was shocked to see Man United featuring well in the data recently from the last four they've, had, they've created the chance every six point one minute the best they've had the most shots but not a lot of them are in the box uh, the culprit of this is uh, Bruno Fernandes who's doing Ark Ericsson again he's had lots of long shots he's had 15 shots over the last four only a third of them been in the box so there you go yeah, I'm not. I'm not too sure on the uh, the Manchester United shout out at the end of there, but obviously Bruno, he, he's a um, particularly good player, and he's he's definitely one that we're looking at there. I think, yeah, all, all very valid points. There's quite a few teams that 
you know, impressing. Obviously, you mentioned Southampton briefly in terms of their league position as well as another team that are doing very, very well and, and look uh, very defensively solid as well as um, Shay Adams, who was nominated for Play of the Month. So worth calling him out as well. The, sh- the old Shay train, which you, you're jumping off, I think. Yeah. But, um, Anyway, should we move on to the, the free top performance uh, so far? When we did this last, we, we each gave three um, top performers. Um, so Anthony, he gave Kane, Cavaloon and, and Georgino, which is a bit of a random one mm. at the end there. Penalties, uh, I think. Penal- because of the penalty factor. Yeah. So to be honest, mine, I, I gave Kane and Salah. But I also gave Neil, Neil Morpay, which we'll move on quickly about as well. Um, <laughs> and yours were a little bit more reasonable um, in terms of, who you picked, I guess it was Kane, Wilson and Hammers. So in terms of the three top performers for me so far now, I think it's probably a lot clearer that it's Kane, Son and Grealish. And one of those is my star man as well. Um, what about yourself, Tom? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, Kane, Bamford and I've, I've uh, got Grealish as well. Um, and that's and the star performer, I think, is, is actually Grealish now. But I think just just to start with uh, with Kane and, and Spurs, because obviously we're now and we'll, we'll definitely get on to this in the questions later on. We're moving into a period where Spurs have had their sort of purple patch and now the, the fixture is stiffening considerably. Um, but Kane in particular, his stats have dropped off. But, you know, you've sort of mentioned him as being the top scorer over the last four game weeks with 36 points um, but tough games like Burnley and West Brom have taken their toll on his data he's a third down on XG and he's half his XA as his average position has deepened but you know, he's still incontrovertibly you know, the revelation of the year and he is very much back it's just the case that he is uh, also one of those players who may have gone on my wild card to afford other things um, what do you think about the Spurs guys Nick uh, I have no Spurs on my wild card <laughs> well but... um you know, they are the form players, really. I know that the last couple of performances a bit quieter than what we saw against Southampton and Manchester United. But the main thing from, from a Spurs fan perspective is we picked up the three points. So, you know, I'm still pretty happy. And as far as I'm concerned with Kane, he, he is the star man for me. I think, um, you know, just in terms of his last 14 starts in the Premier League, he's had 17 goals and 10 assists, which is just ridiculous. Obviously not all this season, but in terms of this season, it's been eight assists and seven goals which just basically averaging two attacking returns a game and obviously the first game wasn't too good either way blanks but since then it's been fantastic um and i think you know when we talk about harry kane he has been subject to a little bit of criticism perhaps on the pod over the last couple of seasons (laughs) um mainly because he's been dropping back he's not always been playing as a a number nine it's not always his fault as well it's kind of stuff like lack of service um you know had been doing pretty well defensively quite often but, um, you know, this it's been different this season and his link-up play with Son has been excellent. He's added assists to his game, um, which we didn't have before. And the eight assists he's got so far this season is more than he's had any campaign before, only on week eight. Um, in terms of his goal threat, no one comes close. 38 goal attempts is nine more than any other forwards, uh, four more than Mo Salah as well, and 15 of which have been on target, which makes it a chance every 18.8 minutes. Um, So as I said, goal threat is there, chances created, fantastic. 18 chances created so far, which is twice as many as any other forward, eight of which have been big chances. So four times the amount than any other forward has managed, um, and more than any other midfielder as well. So he really has been sort of, good money and deserving of those assists so for me Kane is the, yeah, the star man 
I get that. I I think just I looked over the last four game weeks though, and I came up with the other guy that I, that I mentioned, Bamford. Um, so I mean, this is probably uh, emblematic of the fact that we always try to look beyond our own teams. Neither of us own Bamford, and we've obviously widely derided Paddy over the last few years. And um, we've got to give Bamford some love, Nick. We really do. Um, over the last four, he's had more shots in the box than any other player. He's had more big chances than any other player. But he's not the most accurate. He's missed six big chances so far this season. Uh, but he's had more big chances and more shots in the box than any other forward over the last four, so more than Kane has. And uh, he's actually equal to Salah on that metric. And uh, bearing in mind the VAR goals, wow, what a bargain those, like you know, Tom Freeman, who was on the wire recently, got him at for 5.5 at the start of the season. It's one of those that in hindsight, we all should have owned at 5.5. But Leeds as well are creating chances at a ridiculous frequency at the moment. And they have had Wolves, Villa, Leicester and Palace in the last four, none of which you point at as being offensively easy game. Um, so yeah, I'm... It's uh, yeah, I think Paddy is definitely worth noting just because of his dominance in the uh, in the underlying stats, and that's translating into points as well, isn't it for him? Um, I don't think at the start of the season, if you'd have asked me, I'd have been able to um, guess that Paddy would be performing as well as he is at the moment. He's actually just outside the top five, one point off Jamie Vardy, uh, which is yeah, I, I would not have guessed that basically at the start of the season. So I think it's time we give the Bammy some love. Yeah, he's another one that's been derided on the pod in the past. So, uh, you know, so it's contrition coming up, for our com- uh, coming up <laughs> to bite, bite us. Oh, oh, ZH is doing well, Bamford, Kate, and it's like, oh, whatever. But, you know, we, we're willing to, you know, change our minds whenever we need to um, and adapt with the times, which is very important. And uh, Bamford, yeah, he's had an excellent uh, start this season. Um, but I think, I don't know, for me, I just I kind of went for Son. I think in terms of the sort of the other player alongside, I think Grealish, who obviously and Kane, who are obviously both in agreement on. I think Son and Kane, they just come as a pair. Um, they've just both been the fulcrum of the Spurs attack, and he, he's really benefited from Kane's creativity. And this season, I think he's just really come to his own, proved that he is a, a world-class performer and world-class footballer. He's well on the way to hit that 200 points target, and just. I mean, as a fan, and maybe I'm biased, but it's just been an absolute joy to watch with some of his performances, including that four-goal route against Southampton. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sad um, that I'm actually going to be selling him because of the fixture shift. But I think he is very deserving of being called out as one of the uh, top performers of the season. And, and yeah, in terms of yeah. point, it's, it's, it's translated into points as well. as so we're highlighting um, he's second in the game, just six now behind Kane before this game week. They were, it was evens or even on us. Yeah, it's, it's uh, seeing him being sold again. This has given me a shiver down my spine just because you know what happens next. But there you go. Um, I just want to just mention Grealish quickly as well. Um, he's he's he actually my star. So Kane was yours. Grealish is mine. He's third for shots in the box. Has had four big chances and scored three. He's also second for chances created. Six for big chances created and has six assists in the last six. Forty nine. Points scored, second to Kane. Halls are like 15 points two weeks ago are on the horizon, I'm sure. As fixed from here till Christmas are really, really kind. In every game, it seemed like he's had loads of near misses. So I can think of two shots cleared up in different games recently, for instance, off the top of my head. He's just that sort of all-rounder type moment, getting the goals, getting also being involved in the assists um, that we love in FPL. Because there are so many points avenues. I just wish that he did a penalty. I don't know between him and Watkins yet, uh, but he really does it like sort of the Brummy Hazard um, at the moment, um, especially given the ludicrously cheap price. Um, it's just talisman theory in action, which I always love to see, and which is why initially uh, I... Uh, I think last time I did Wilson because he was a, he was the talisman sort of representative. Um, but yeah, Grealish is just uh, one of those players that I think is just a must-have, especially over the upcoming period. And those who go without probably will get kind of 
the odd 15 points are rammed down their throat, unfortunately. So definitely worth getting him if you don't have them. Yeah, 100% agreed. I think he's going to be one of those ones where we look back at the beginning of the season and say, was he only 7 million? You know, he, he looks like he could be the, the bargain of the season, so to speak. And uh, yeah, it, I think he's only also worth highlighting. He's only actually played seven game weeks, not eight. So the fact that he's sort of leading all of these metrics, having only oh, played yeah, seven point. games compared to eight is is very impressive. Yeah, so he's only sort of behind Salah for goal attempts and penalty box touches so he's clearly getting into the right positions as you said he could have had so many more points than what he's actually got so far but yeah I mean last season we saw glimpses of it we were second at the end of the season for chances created behind KDB but I think the fact that he's now got a decent player that can bury his chances and then Watkins rather than playing alongside likes of Samata or or Wesley um is is massive for his game and and you know he's even got you know likes of Barkley's acting like a foil except when he's offside and blocking the keeper's line of sight but you know generally McGee McGinn being fit, all very important um, factors in, in Grealish's uh, performance this season. Cool. Well, it sounds like we kind of agree on Grealish and Kane. It's just a case of Som versus uh, Bamford for the final slot. But you know, broadly, it kind of sounds like we're in agreement there. Let's move on from there then and uh, talk about the surprise so far. So uh, back four weeks ago, uh, we all said slightly different things. I said um, West Ham were pretty good and Arsenal were absolutely terrible. You said Aston Villa were very, very good. And you also highlighted presently, Nick, that Grealish was a fantastic bargain at 7 million. <laughs> so yeah, he must have got the crystal ball out back then. And Anthony said there were more mistakes, teams were leggy and there were loads of penalties and he didn't expect that. Um, just to say as well that penalties uh, over the last 14 game weeks, there have been 15. There were 25 in the first four game weeks, so there's definitely been a drop off. Uh, Vardy's had the most. You seem very prescient with Villanick, um, but what what uh, what surprises uh, now uh, hit you between the eyes? Well, actually, I felt like because I covered Villa earlier, I was going to take away um, what Anthony said about penalties that you've covered. Already. I think that has been one of the surprises of the season. I know it's dropped off a little bit, but we did see it this particular game week that the handball rules is still clearly impacting games with Wolves and Liverpool um, giving away penalties. It did feel a little bit of schadenfreude, at least in terms of seeing KDB and, and Vardy miss those penalties um, this weekend. It was the second penalty in the Leicester game that he missed. But um, yeah, I feel like... Like it's just something that we didn't really call out um, before the season began, something that wasn't on our radar, penalties. Obviously, we, we captured it and had a big pod about it straight away as soon as you know the first week hit and we saw how many were being given away. But still, I feel like it's just such a such a change in our thinking that, you know, it's so important to target those penalty takers in our team, you know, like Safardi, like Bruno. The fact that Werner now being on penalties for Chelsea is, is almost huge as well in terms of looking at him. Um as an FPL asset. And I, I feel like perhaps that's, um, that is certainly one of the surprises of the year, perhaps the surprise. Oh, no, fair enough. Um, I think the big surprise for me is quite kind of timely for now and timely for me being on the wild card. Um, but it's uh, in an, from an FPL point of view, how bunched up managers are. And it's amazing how one good week can propel you really up the ranking so far at the moment and how many managers seem to be struggling too. Um, so I've got, I'm 1.6 million, but I'm only kind of, you know, 15 points from 1 million and in the hub contributes league for example i'm in that um i'm in 33rd but i'm only 30 points off the top 10 um i turned to our friend fpl review for help and you know he tweeted earlier on today that the median elite 1000 manager so the man- managers who end up in kind of a very good position their ranked uh, medium rank is 940k so about 1 million is, is meant to be all right for relatively obsessed managers and um i spoke to him as well and he managed to pop me a distribution chart 
for this year versus last year at this time. I'm not going to go into a full-on sort of COVID briefing-esque explanation of the data. Um, but basically, last year's chart was far more steep than this year. This year, kind of, it's very, very flat. And averages have been fairly high. But there's a, a, one hell of a lot of bunching, basically, between the 500k and the 2 million mark. But the reality is, is that um, at the moment, we have got a situation where you've got kind of, you know, the top 10K, the top 15K are, are, have got a bit of a lead, um, but there are a, a whole glut of managers stuck between 2 million and 500K. Um, and it's just you know, the case of having a couple of decent game weeks and you're away. I can't really remember us being this bunch this late into the season as well. So, yeah, definitely something that came to mind as being a bit of a surprise, uh, or at least I had an inkling that that was a surprise. It was a good to get that sort of, um, get that uh, proven for evidence. Right, and then the final thing was a flop so far. Um, so I think we all agreed on defences last time. Um, you know, the likes of uh, you know, AWB and Doris, Matt D early on. And uh, they've, they've been joined by you know, the likes of Liverpool defenders. Uh, so Robbo and Trent, 52 points in total. Robbo, 31. Trent, 21. Uh, 10 players have outscored both their combined score individually. Trent, in particular, one return in eight games. And despite the good underlying data and the hope that I get something tomorrow, the basic truth is I should have gotten rid of Trent a long, long time ago. And the likes of, you know, Robbo's doing better. But the likes of James Justin, Tyrone Mings and Yannick Vestergaard are all outscoring him. Uh, the fixtures are turning for them, but I will probably go without for the time being. I like the fact that they're quite illiquid assets as well. What I mean by that is that their price isn't going to move up or down very much because of how expensive they are. Um, but we may indeed see a big fall in Trent soon. So um, I guess you know I can see why we did nominate defences. A couple of things just to mention here, which I think is quite a nice curiosity. One is that uh, the FPL asked the question, are West Brom and Fulham still the whipping boys? The answer is probably no, actually. They've re- both really stopped the leakage. So between game weeks one and four, West Brom conceded 13 goals, Fulham uh, conceded 11. Uh, and in the last four, they've only conceded four each, equal with the likes of Tottenham and Chelsea. So their defence is looking considerably tighter um, but you're still you know, not really getting the premium kind of returns from Liverpool at the moment certainly City are probably looking a little bit better uh, Chelsea looking a little bit better as well um, but my actual flop just to say is Man City's attack um, they've scored 10 goals now and they've got an XG of 9.31 so they're overperforming with that 10 they've scored and they're averaging a little over one goal per game something seriously wrong there and that would be if I said to someone pre-game week one that's how City would be after a game week eight they think I was mad that's just you know unthink- that would have been unthinkable in pre-season the City were so blunted going forward but that's the case and uh, yeah it's especially because I'm wildcarding hoping to look at those fixtures uh, from uh, from game week 10 onwards it's definitely one that's given me pause for thought and I've got some strategic thinking to do around if or when and how I get City players in because I certainly am not going to be going with any apart from Cancelo to begin with uh, what do you think Nick in terms of the flop yeah I think City is a, is an interesting pick um, but yeah I think certainly there's going to be a little bit of a fixture shift um, there with, with sort of Burnley and Fulham at home after, after the Spurs game so, so it's only one to, to look at I think you we mentioned defenders last time and I think there has been a little bit more defensive solidity as you mentioned sort of 23 clean sheets in game week 5 to 8 so a little bit of a rise on the 17 beforehand but we've seen the likes of Chelsea City showing a lot more composure at the back Burnley, West Ham Southampton likes 
amongst those teams starting to pick up a stream of uh, clean sheets as well um yeah Liverpool defense still very disappointing Trent's been a huge disappointment generally and um, you know attacking wise just the one assist um so far as well so it's not just defensively for Trent it's been attacking returns he I mean he picked up 15 assists and four goals last season so he's well off that I actually before I highlight one of your men, though, um, Arsenal forwards and Aubameyang has been a huge flop this season. So there was a lot of hype around his reclassification as midfielder, having scored 22 goals over the past two seasons, now being a midfielder, getting more points. But just the um, two goals and one assist, and one of those has been um, a penalty. Way below the standards we would have expected from him. I mean, in terms of his non-pen XG over the whole of the season, it's actually just 0.58, um, 0.31 coming in that opening game against Fulham so since then it's, it's been 0.27 so really really poor um, stats many many players um, much higher than that um, Harry Kane for instance you said was a bit uh, quiet in that West Brom game actually managed 0.69 in that game alone so <laughs> yeah. he, he's well he's, Aubameyang's well off the pace oh god no absolutely ridiculous isn't it I think it's just the case of how he's been deployed as you've alluded to and it's just one of those things that pre-season we always got so amped up about talisman theory and the fact that it really points to Aubameyang being just this monster and it's just not as come to fruition as it and not having an XG of above three at this point it's just just really humiliating game this weekend and uh, I'm not going to lurch into Arsenal-led anger but you know probably the worst performance I've seen under Arteta or at least in highlights I wasn't going to pay for the pay-per-view Cool. All right. So to sum up where we are now, then after game week eight, we now think the the team of the season so far has been the villains, Aston Villa, Shakara. And in terms of players, uh, Grealish uh, features heavily for both of us, does uh, Harry Kane on our kind of list of players so far with Son and Bamford, uh, a split between the two of us. Surprise, pens and bunching, bunching with her managers, that is, and flop the City attack and uh, well, the Arsenal attack, I suppose, but principally the big man. Um, how do you think it's going to evolve, Nick? I guess we're going to come back and look at this again um, in a few months' time, maybe you know after the Christmas period. But, I mean, do you think there's any players who are kind of high in mind? I guess we'll probably maybe come on to them into the questions anyway. But, I mean, do you think the trend is going to continue or do you reckon we're going to see kind of a veering off into different things with the fixtures changing? Well, I certainly think when we talked about the flops just then, the likes of the City forwards that they're, they're certainly going to come into their own in, in the coming weeks like it's just it's so unusual for them to be you know this this quiet and I, I you know I'm relatively confident we're going to see lots of goals from Manchester City this season I think the Liverpool defence will tighten up and I'm sure um, Bamiyang will also start scoring I feel like some of the trends you've highlighted though I'm, I'm hoping anyway because he's in my team but like I think like likes Jack Grealish and Aston Villa are going to have really good seasons um, and same with Kane I feel like hopefully he can keep his form up as long as he stays fit um, and you know Generally, um, going to see lots more penalties. That's going to be a common theme over the course of the season. And uh, eventually, uh, you mentioned uh, us all being bunched up. Eventually, we're all going to be spread out. But you know, I'm not. I'm not too sure what the um, the root cause is there. Perhaps it's um, a template forming quite early. I don't know. 
broadly agree with that. I'm sure that you know Mertens keep City down for long, and uh, you know the, the turn in fixtures um, for Liverpool as well. I'm sure those uh, uh, creative uh, fullbacks, uh, wingbacks, fullbacks for Liverpool are going to come back into their own. But yeah, no, definitely been an interesting sort of first eight weeks. That's for sure. I'm not sure I'd have been sitting here nominating Patrick Bamford as being one of the players of the season so far. Um, if you'd ask me at preseason, that is for definite. Cool. Let's take a break there and move on to the correspondence slash Q and A. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? So we're back and it's time to catch up with the Who Got the Assist mini league. Um, and if you want to join the league, the code is CPSUOF. Uh, so quick update on the top five. Um, new entry in the top five is Wallace Clark with the ace team. He got a very good score this week of 79 points. So well done, Wallace. Um, in fourth, it's uh, David Izzett with Hest Wham Untied. Uh, in third, it's Borisov Joksimovic, and I'm not going to try and pronounce his team name. Uh, this time he got 67 points. Uh, in second, it's Graham Sessoms with HK10 for Golden Boot, 62 points. But number one uh, this week is Zakaria Mokroi with Zaki Team 2. Um, and yeah, 92 points for him, which is absolutely huge score. So well done, mate. Uh, Fernandez, 17-pointer. Salah, nine. Oh, goodbyes. Bamford. I think pretty much everyone in his team returned, apart from the cells. He apparently he's got for one-pointer and um, played him over Suchek. So could have could have got the 100 oh, could points. Monster, could have been a monster. Um, also got Nick Pope in goal, which is quite interesting. Nine-pointer there. So uh, yeah, well done. And uh, let's move on to the next section. Yeah, well done, everybody. Right, let's move on to the correspondence. This is Anthony's favourite bit, uh, which is uh, basically asking you to send in your rants, pet theories, poems, uh, questions for analysis, arguments with something that we've said, debate points in uh, to our email inbox, which is whogotresist at gmail.com. Writing emails to be read out, debated, and looked at at length here on the very podcast. Anthony lives for this section, so yeah, do uh, uh, do make him happy and send it. Send us emails in who got with us at gmail.com, but he will be back next week uh, uh, to no doubt spearhead the section once more. This week, the correspondence comes from our good friend FPL Tips Harry, and he writes the following: Good afternoon, gentlemen. Thank you for your continued work on the pods. My weekly staple that even when busy, I make sure to make time for. Thank you. That's very kind of you, Harry. My question to you is this: Where do you think we should be looking in terms of defences? It feels like there's either good form but bad long-term fixtures or bad form with good fixtures. Well, I've played my wild card already, so I'm looking for defences for the long term, between now and the end of the year, perhaps, <laughs> who have been the most reliable teams to target and who have been a flash in the pang. Thanks again, Harry, a.k.a. FPL Tips, with a Z, not S. Cool. All right. So, I mean, this this is uh, I think defense has definitely been one of those this year that has come under a bit of uh, a bit a bit of focus, a bit of scrutiny, Nick, just because it's not been entirely clear. I mean, we all kind of had uh, you know a Liverpool defender nailed in at the start of the year. We all had kind of you know a few cheap players kind of around them or one of them uh, nailed in at the start of the year. Um, but it's definitely felt a bit sort of up in the air, hasn't it? It's definitely felt like a, a very unsettled sort of part of the team. But do you think now we're beginning to see sort of players emerge that do seem they're going to be settled and you know, teams emerging at least that look like they're going to be teams worth owning? You know, For example, Villa, as I've mentioned, and like to chill well with a Chelsea defence. You've got Zuma, of course. I mean, those are two defences that look like they're going to end up being hygiene's cover, aren't they? 
Yeah, I think so. I'm, I'm less negative about the defence um, compared to where I was at in, in game week four. And as you heard from the earlier section, but it might be because this particular week I got three clean sheets out of four. So I was, I was quite happy about that. I think, you know, in terms of the teams, big at the back sort of isn't really viable right now based on Liverpool defences performances, but there's certainly space for, you know, a premium defender in your team. The likes of Ben Chilwell, um, obviously he's, um, one that's caught many a manager's eye and Chelsea perhaps are, are the team to firstly call out you've, you've talked about them and their attack a little bit but the back four looks pretty clear now um, compared to perhaps at the beginning of the season we didn't really know who was going to start week in week out but right now it looks like Thiago Silva and um, Zuma are sort of nailed in, in terms of the centre-backs um, and Reese James seems to be nailing down that right back slot as well, ahead of Aspilicueta, at least over the last couple of game weeks. And all of them carry some attacking threat as well, which as managers we like to see. So the, the defence has certainly been shorn up in terms of getting those clean sheets recently in the Champions League and the Premier League. But also the, those defenders all have attacking threat. Zuma's got three goals to his name. Uh, we saw uh, Tilva score this week and Chilwell and um, James, James as well, uh, or Rames, uh, if we're going to follow the Portman. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, um, Rames also got a goal and assist in week one that carries a bit of a free kick threat and creating lots of crosses. So I do like Chelsea um, from a defensive standpoint. I think certainly they're worth covering, um, you know, starting to leave that patch of really good fixtures, but, you know, Newcastle way up next, potentially another chance for a clean sheet there. So, yeah, uh, I think Chelsea perhaps the main one. Otherwise, you've got Man City, um, you know, I think their defensive uh, shape is also starting to form. Diaz and Laporte look like the new uh, partnership. And Cancelo is the one I'm really interested in, actually, as an FP option, sort of 5.4 million. And after Spurs, they've got a great run of fixtures, haven't they? Burnley at home, Fulham at home, um, you know, they've United. got United and then West Brom. So, you know, they've got some really nice games coming up. Um, so I think City and Chelsea lead the line. I think, you know, I've got some other teams as well. Uh, Leicester look look good. I think Fafana, who's been fast tracked in the team, was very impressive at the weekend. Justin's uh, proved himself to be a decent asset, and uh, some of the other cheaper teams you've got: Southampton, Brighton, West Ham, all looking really good as well. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I um, coun't agree more really on the fact that Liverpool defenders, I mean, in in their sort of wake, uh, Chilwell and Cancelo, are the two that I've got um, on my wild cards. Uh, Chilwell, forty-one points. Uh, if you watch him play, he's so advanced getting into those goal-scoring positions. He's actually fifth for shots per ninety in the Chelsea team. And uh, one observation as well from watching them this weekend was that Rhys James and Ziyech are both creators on the other side. They, they're crosses. So Chilwell and whoever's on that wing, it was Werner, I think, this weekend, are the ones benefiting from that. They're getting in those, uh, and getting, getting some service. Um, Cancelo as well. So there's a question from FPL Physio on Cancelo. He's looking very decent. Um, he created He's created the second most chances for Man City this season after Kevin De Bruyne. Incredible, huh? And his bo- the bonus system likes him too. He's picked up six bonus from his four starts, and he seems nailed. He's played 90 minutes times four despite playing on the wrong side, uh, given what he uses. Um, anyway, I've been speaking a lot to my friend Karam, uh, who, you, who you may know, Karam Tizer, who's also on Wildcard. And, uh, you know, the approach to defence seems to be very, very similar between the two of us. I'm sure I've seen a few other wildcards out there, and it seems to be kind of the formula is this. So keeper, boring, fixtures, that means Martinez. He just looks like a hygiene pick now, unfortunately. I did have McCarthy for a while, but um, Martinez, I've had to pay 0.3 million more. But that's just a set and forget, really, isn't it? 
my two premiums, like I mentioned. And then you kind of hit into what do you do next? And Nick, you mentioned a few really good sort of teams there, you know, like Bryce and like Southampton, whatever. Um, my, my approach is going to be to have kind of three little ones uh, who are going to rotate, basically. Uh, maybe Kilman is the, you know, the Aramon Bissaka of Lundstrand this year. I regret not getting him at four million. Um, but it's all about fixtures for me and those sort of cheap, uh, sort of slots so unless they're truly exceptional in that bracket and Mercury played every game and there's something exciting like Lamptey I'm just going to play it by the fixture so at the moment I've got very very unsexy players in there um, likes of Jamal Lewis of uh, Adam Webster as mentioned um, yeah they're not the best but they kind of fit quite nicely into just being the 11th man every week and plus they all play 90 minutes um, so the great thing about that is that if I do have, you know, my bench decimated by COVID, random kind of injuries, rest, coming up to Christmas as well. I've got a fully stocked bench of pretty cheap players who I'm, you know, at least I'm going to get two points or one or two points out of them. And at least I know they're going to play. It's not very exciting, but the fact is that because I've got Chilwell and Cancelo, I've got two very good sort of defenders, plus Martinez and Gold. So three out of four of the defense is pretty decent every week. The other one, has a good fixture every week so hopefully that makes them fairly good and that means i can push all the money forward to uh, a forward team that i've got um so yeah i mean we've mentioned a few teams that mentioned maybe a strategy to to be looking at and i think that it sounds like nick you're looking at cancello as well um and he could be kind of the next sort of big thing in defense but i mean yeah i guess to answer kind of harry's question directly um defense for the long term would be probably man city um and i think that you know despite the fact they're offense has been a bit poor the numbers do seem to stack that their defense has been very very good so they've got the longest uh, interval between chances for example conceded uh, which just kind of shows that their keep ball as always has a very positive effect at the back and you know, even if you do get can if you do get Cancelo you've got the upside but even if you do pay 5.5 million for Diaz you've kind of got the Edison-esque sort of thing where you're paying 5.5 million for probably about 50% chance of a clean sheet every now and again and given how good the fixtures are um, after Spurs so Burnley Fulham, Man United, West Brom, Southampton, Newcastle. Uh, so almost all the way up to Boxing Day. One, two, three, four, five uh, hugely winnable games to City and potentially five clean sheets as well. So that could be 30 points off the bat if you do get a defender in for that. So definitely worth doing, especially because Cancelo at the time recording is 5.4. Yeah, very, very good. Cool. Well, hopefully that sort of answers the question. Uh, we'll be back next week with more correspondence. As mentioned, get them in. Who got the assist at gmail.com and make Anthony squeal with joy. Right, let's move on to the Q&A, Nick. Cool. Yep. So the first question is about the Spurs sell-off. So we had loads of questions on this one this week. Um, like so Joe Bruin, FPL Physio, FPL Latics, FPL CG, Cy Hizen, Gear Snoop, Outdoor RC, Jamie Thorpe and Eamon Abs, amongst others, all asking us something pretty similar. And that was, is it now time to sell Son or Kane and or Kane? And if not both at once, who goes first? So, um, so I'm planning on moving Son out, actually. I think it's just, it is the fixture shift ultimately that's kind of driven this. Um, you know, as, as we said earlier on the pod, they've got City, Chelsea, Arsenal up next, and it's Crystal Palace and then it's Liverpool. So really, really challenging um, next five. And, and they are quite expensive assets, even though they've been excellent. Um, I'm not sure about owning both. I think Son, he was a bit quieter the last couple of games, didn't really get involved in the West Brom game. Um, but I think, you know, he did 
he did seem quiet in Burnley, Brighton, West Brom. There is a question mark um, in regards to his actual style. If ten, because those sort of teams, they were very, very defensive. They had ten men behind the ball. I, I kind of watched patches of the match. It was very frustrating to watch. You know, West Brom with sort of about six Championship defenders all kind of lining up, never sort of leaving, leaving the halfway um, line. Compared to Southampton, who got cons- consistently exposed. And I think perhaps you know you could see. Some return in those games if, if likes of City or Arsenal try and play um, too much of a high line they could get exposed but I, I don't know I, I'm, I'm not willing to risk it I think I, I really want Bruno so Son's going to leave my team for Bruno I don't feel that same rush to sell Kane at least I'm not certainly not going to do it on a hit because I've only got one FT so that would be crazy as far as I'm concerned I think Kane as I said he's been the star of the season for me so I'm not going to rush to sell him though I do like the idea potentially of swapping him out for Vardy because Leicester have Fulham at home in game week 10 Sheffield United Brighton so you know I could do a Kane to Vardy move perhaps in a in a week's time but yeah it does feel a bit odd talking about these guys they're the stars of the season they've been the best players you know they've exceeded expectations let's get rid you know, it, it, it does seem a bit counterintuitive, but I feel like, you know, there's, there's a few other teams, a few other players, I didn't mention Man City just then, just coming into the four and um, we've, we've got to fund them somehow. Yeah, absolutely. I think we're inevitably going to hear the, but he'll punish you thing said to people who are selling. And yeah, yeah, I'm sure they will. Um, I think that you know, this one of the sort of base points we hear every year. Um, and I guess what I'm betting will happen is that me making my moves to sell both of them which is what i've done um is going to outperform that sort of status quo because there's gonna be so many managers who are just too scared or you know feel sentimentally that they've these players done very well for them so i'm going to keep hold of them no matter what um that hopefully there's gonna be an advantage for me there that i can exploit um i would have been selling some for bruno anyway mirroring nick's move um but I am worried about losing Kane, um, but I, you know, I, I pushed the button already. It's already happened. I'm, I'm just trying to be aggressive on this kind of wild card and reshape my squad. I haven't been badly at all, of course. But as Nick alluded to, I'm thinking slash hoping they're beginning to drop off a bit, and the upcoming games, City, Arsenal, Chelsea, Palace, Liverpool, all speak to that sort of thing. When Nick mentioned that it's they're not games which quite suit um son i think maybe that maybe the city game maybe the liverpool game but the ones in the middle they're all going to be kind of quite kind of cagey games i think um i'm sure they're going to score i'm sure there'll be chances for them to score i'm sure they will score but i don't think they'll be as potent to hold as the others i've got coming in so for example bruno for example i've replaced Kane with vardy who has got liverpool fulham sheffield united brighton and i'm not worried about fielding vardy for a second against liverpool for example but they may well punish me and they obviously have been the stars of the season so far um but i'm trying to be kind of aggressive and with that aggression comes um making template-led moves and trying to kind of be ruthless cut out the sentiment and go for it i can see why you'd hold i think we've got to give voice to that i know we've both kind of said oh yeah we'll you know move on one move on one move on the other but there's obviously some downside protection in keeping at least one of them because as nick said earlier on they come as a pair so if one scores the other one's likely to assist it's just whether the volume is going to match teams who have got better fixtures um like the guys i've mentioned there's also, also man city as well so it's a tough one we always have a tough moment like this at the start of every season when you know the first bandwagon big bandwagon of the year falls what happens next there's going to be some sort of unruly transition there will be kind of wilson and fraser-esque bandwagon reprisals every now and again when the dead teams love it but i think on balance it probably is the right thing now to just kind of go with the fixtures and swing a 
away from them. But yeah, I, I can see why if you're reluctant to get rid that you wouldn't be getting rid. Um, I think this kind of le- nicely links into the next question as well on season keepers. Um, so Matt Francis um, asks if, if anyone is truly indispensable. And FPL Claret asks a question in the same vein. Are there any players you trust to be fixture-proof? I think there's only one uh, for me, and his name is Mohamed Salonik. What about you? Yeah, I'm exactly the same. I think it's Salah, isn't it? I mean, we didn't mention him earlier as, as one of the stars of the season, but it's just almost because he's almost a victim of his own success. We're, we're so used to him just being brilliant that it's not even worth highlighting. And, you know, he has been excellent this season so far, 67 points from, from his eight games, um, which means that he would be on an average to break 300 points if, if he was to maintain that sort of performance from an FPL perspective. Um, since he joined Liverpool, he's rarely left my team, actually. It was only sort of last season that he wasn't as involved because I was kind of on Mane for various uh, patches of the season. But I think certainly this season, I just um, he is the one player that I, you know, is, is fixture proof and, and you know you never say never he might get injured he might really drop in form but uh, he, he is the key man at the moment at least yeah i think as i mentioned earlier on just to reiterate as well you can often find opportunity in managers fear or reluctance to gamble um you know people always kind of value what they've got rather than what they could have um so they'll be like oh well you know these guys have served me very very well in the past i don't want to get somebody else and take the risk uh, of uh, being caught out basically um, and but you've just got to judge it right that's something I, I don't historically do well so maybe don't listen to me and keep your Spurs assets but um, I'll again be hoping to exploit an opportunity chase that you know old-fashioned upside thing that, that late riser fella keeps talking about and hoping it comes off me this time but um, I'm a, as well you know with fixture proofness um there are a few players in the past that are worth mentioning here. So the likes of you know, Lampard and Drogba, Torres, for those people who go that far back, um, players who were fixture-proof. Uh, and uh, you know there are a few as well, like the Hazard and Aubameyang, who were fixture-proof in retrospect. Uh, so they were shoo-ins for 200-plus points per year, but fell prey to us as managers wanting predictability for the price they paid. Um, but I, uh, I, guess, I guess many of us long for the days of, you know, when Robin Van Persie for Arsenal scored in every single game. So you just leave the captaincy on him and get on with your life. Uh, but yeah, um, I, I think the answer to this question basically is that there's probably not that many players we trust to be fixture proof, and outside of Salah, I think that we probably both are not not too sentimental about holding on to players, right? Yeah, exactly. I think when we look at the, the stats, if you captain Salah all season, you, you find that he would have beaten your average for your captaincy, and I think that kind of reiterates that point that where we sometimes as managers, whilst whilst in some vein I've been guilty of this with Hazard before, you kind of you stick with these players hoping they'll come good. But certainly with Salah in at least the last few seasons, you know, if you had stuck with him and you captained him week in week out, you'd have done a lot better than than most managers. So I think. I think in that vein, he's um, he's the main man for me. But um, we'll move on to the next question about sell-off destinations. So if we're selling, where do we go? Uh, Princess Shetty asked us if we should indeed be jumping on City or is it a case that Ziyech, Grealish and Hamez are better? Um, Crate Digger pointed out that uh, De Bruyne could lose penalties and become less potent. And just above average FPL podcast mentioned Bruno, who's one million less than the City penalty taker. He's a talisman and he's only 20% owned. Um, 
we are pretty uh, keen on uh, Grealish, as you heard earlier on the pod. So perhaps he's he's one. If he's not in your team, you should certainly be looking at um, the City midfielders. Is an interesting one because as um, as we said, I mean, I don't own any at the moment. I mean, it's, it, they've just been pretty poor, haven't they? Like, so Foden's been in and out of the team. Like, Samara's been in and out of the team. Um, I mean, Ferran Torres looks good, but he's also in and out of the team. There's only one, there's only really two players, you, I guess, you can trust for starts, and they're both very expensive. And that's, mm. um, that's Sterling and De Bruyne, 11.5 million. And, and when you look at who you're going to have to sacrifice, is it, is it Kane? Is it Salah? Does it prevent you from getting Bruno? I, I don't know. I just it's 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 a real it's a really challenging one just to see how you can fit them yeah. in. You, is that is that one of your troubles on your wild card right now? Uh, it's not. It's not. I'm I'm leaving City at least for the short term. Um, I'm probably going to do a controversial have one million in the bank strategy, uh, so I can do uh, big at the bank again, uh, so I can do Bruno to Kevin De Bruyne or Sterling uh, for the Burnley game uh, potentially. Um, but I mean. It, I watched that game and I've watched kind of City last few games. There's nothing there which excites me too much about them. Um, I I just don't believe at the moment that Kevin De Bruyne is worth 11.5, nor Raheem Sterling for that matter, um, especially how they're currently performing. And with Kevin De Bruyne, the only thing that's going to make me change that opinion is if I get FOMO because the ownership's so high of it, I've got to buy him in. I mean, I might have to if he starts performing, obviously, as a downside protection, but without penalties, as Craig Digger mentioned, if it's purely assists and the old speculative finish, I don't see how he's ever going to be worth 11.5. Like, for the premium price, I want an explosive player I can regularly captain. And as we saw with Ferrari Research the other week, you can find the thread on Twitter or you can listen to that pod. Um, I don't feel like there's a case for him uh, at the moment to be the captain. I think last season, 9.5 million was an absolute gift and people still have that in their heads and think about De Bruyne. But he's £2 million more now and we have to reframe how we think about him a little bit because if he doesn't have that consistency of ticking over like Salah does I mean the sisters were five points six points they keep clean sheet Salah gets a goal uh, that's 10 points you know double figure captaincy there is a difference there in terms of uh, what that money does for you um of all the players um who you can go for um to replace the uh, replace the guys I do want to call out I mean I think Grealish and Bruno are obvious ones and I think I own both. I think Nick's going to own Bruno come next week. One I do want to mention is Ziyech. I mean, we mentioned him earlier on, and Nick and Anthony, Anthony in particular, actually got called out on social media recently for doubting the former Ajax wizard in preseason. I never did, though. I said in preseason, I felt his strong underlying creativity would help. And uh, so it's really proved to uh, not knit them together over the last couple of weeks. So he's only played 190 minutes. 2.1 games but in that time he's actually seventh for points scored over the last four um pretty astonishing uh per 90 he's created four chances and two big chances i.e six chances of any type per 90 minutes he's also second for xa of any player of the last four having played two games all right they've had decent games but it's an underlying indication of how good this guy could be because watching chelsea before he came into the team i think it was injured wasn't he, in preseason they were so disordered and it felt like something was kind of missing to knit them all together. And I think the Moroccan has been that sort of guy, very similar to what Bruno Fernandes did to United. But I mean, this guy is a very, uh, ZH that is, is a, is a kind of potential Kevin De Bruyne type in an attacking team 
as no one else really has his skill set as well. I'd be assuming he's going to get a lot of starts. Um, so I've got him. I think he's a very, very good pickup. And one thing's for sure, he won't be 8.1 million this year if he carries on like this. So definitely one that I'd be pointing to if you have Grealish and if you kind of really have Bruno and you're looking for something else, someone else to bring in. I, I do very, very much like Ziyech and I'm, I'm glad to see that um, my suspicions about him preseason have hopefully started to come true. Yeah, certainly. I think he, he has looked really good, as I mentioned in Market Force the last couple of weeks. Um, I'm still on Zaha as well, who's another one probably worth highlighting, putting some excellent performances for, for Crystal Palace at 7.4 million. He's got five goals to assist to his name in the eight games, so that's nearly a return a game. And they've also got some good fixtures coming up, Burnley, Newcastle, West Brom. So um, don't forget the, the Palace talisman as well, um, worth highlighting, probably on penalties as well. Um, so that's always helpful. Uh, but we'll move on to the next question. This is about the forgotten men. So FPL Oakwell, he asked us if there's any value in the forgotten men, like Richardson, Martial, Madison, Traore, St. Max and Aubameyang were the people that he highlighted specifically. Um, all have been good picks, of course, in, in the recent past. All of them sort of been in and out of our teams, I guess, at various points over the last few seasons. Um yeah, I mean, obviously, Martial and Richardson are now back from their suspensions. Um, and if you have a hole in your forward line, maybe you're looking to move the likes of Jimenez or, or Danny Ings um, on for some reason. They sort of fit that price point. I guess, you know, they're, they're quite interesting. Perhaps you could look at Richard. I don't know if you thought about Richardson over Calvert-Lewin to fill in that Everton slot. You know, he was the one you were more bullish on in the preseason and saying, you, you know, he... Was going to return more than DCL, and he also was on them um, penalties um, as well as we saw in one of the games recently that he took the penalty. I think you know he could easily, he could. He, I mean, he's an exceptionally talented footballer. Obviously, he got suspended, but you know he could easily be effective. And Martial as well also got suspended, much to your chagrin. Um, you know, a bit of bad luck there, but I think um, for me, I think there's a couple others probably above those guys in the list right now, and that would be Werner and, and Jamie Vardy. So. I would probably be looking at those guys if you can afford them over Martial and Richarlison. Um, but I don't, I don't know what you're thinking there. Uh, I, I've come to the conclusion that Richarlison makes Dominic Calvert-Lewin better. So I'm going to get to Dominic Calvert-Lewin and admit defeat on that one. It's all over. I've written down pippy descriptions of these players in answer to this question, which I think are actually true on the, on doing some evidence-based analysis. Uh, but Richarlison makes DCL better, as I mentioned. Martial, inconsistent. Can you be bothered? Gallic shrug. Uh, Traore, impact sub. St. Max, bleh. Aubameyang, wing beep. And uh, Madison, not quite sure. Um, because you know, he, does, he hasn't really started very much, has he, recently? I mean, he's been starting Injured. on the bench. Um, yeah, and he's coming back from injury, but they've got very good fixtures coming. So I think of the players that FPL Oakwell mentioned, he's the one who will probably be catching the eye just because, I mean, he, if he is doing well, becomes integral to that uh, to that. Uh, to that attack um but i think the, there is one forgotten man who's not on that list who i would li- like to mention as timo Werner. um he's also you know we've, we've kind of lauded chelsea a little bit and um, but obviously everyone jumped off the Werner wagon um earlier on this season just because well i think we can we can all probably guess why everyone jumped off the Werner wagon <laughs> it's just not um after a few kind of poor initial performances, people did jump off. And you know, as we said pre-season from my FBL sojourn, um, he does miss a lot and he's very, very streaky. Um, but if Chelsea do come together, he could realise some of the decent underlying numbers he's putting together. Um, and 
you can imagine as well, um, regardless of whether he's filled on the wing, whether he's filled up front, that he's going to have sort of a consistency of starts. Although it's worth mentioning that Lampard did say that he was hoping he'd arrest them last week, but Pulisic got the nod. Um, and he did score this week, but it was a lot of times a very frustrating for owners. Um, but he's one who could probably come back onto the radar, especially when uh, Chelsea come into decent fixtures again. Um, after the Spurs game um, in game week 10, they do embark on an okay little run. Uh, that takes in a game against Leeds. Uh, game against Everton who've got the weakest defence as I mentioned earlier uh, Wolves and West Ham um, and you know he, he could be a sneaky differential for some looking to capitalise on people's reluctance to buy, go back to a player like that um, but yeah no, it's, always, it's always worth looking at the forgotten men and Nick you do look at the falling stars every year don't you so it's, you know there is always merit in that yeah, I think Werner is one of the players in, in my team at the beginning of the season. It's actually surprising how highly owned he is. So he's the fourth highest owned forward right now with uh, 23.9% ownership. So only Bamford, Kane and uh, Calvert-Lewin have um, have uh, higher ownership in terms of the forwards. But you have to wonder how many of those are actually dead teams. But he's certainly one of those players that's, even though he's not in your team, you kind of want him to do well in a, in a funny sort of way. And uh, and I think now the fact that he's got penalties as well um, is certainly going to help his cause. Um, and yeah, as you mentioned, he's he's probably going to, he could easily net 20 goals over the course of the season, be an excellent FPL asset. So we'll move on to um, transfers and captains. Um, so do you want to go first here? Perhaps, as you said, you're wild carding. Who, who's going to be the captain? Oh, no. <laughs> don't know. Don't Very know. exciting. I uh, don't know who's going to be in my team. I, I, I've got a um, a fairly solid base for my team, but obviously that that is pending the uh, international break and what happens there. Uh, the captaincy will probably be between Bruno and uh, Grealish actually against against Brighton. I know Bruno's the obvious one, but you can imagine West Brom as we uh, just lining up with. Uh, 10 men, 11 men behind the ball like we did against Spurs and just hoping for a 0-0 or a 1-0. And you just wonder whether the United have got the guile uh, to unpick them. But if one man does, it's Bruno. Or if another man does, it's Rashford falling over so Bruno scores a penalty. So he's probably the logical captain. Uh, but I quite like the idea of shopping on Grealish and seeing what happens. Um, I could even do it on Calvert-Lewin or maybe even Ziyech against Newcastle. Got loads of tri- choices, lots of time to choose. Um, and in terms of the wildcard team, I'm going to keep it to myself. Um, I mean, I've given you a few indications on this part of what I'm thinking of doing and um, I'm not going to put it on Twitter or anything like that I think I'm going to keep it to myself uh, obviously keep it in, the, in my, my little circle of trust people that, uh, that um, I, I trust uh, their advice on um, but I'm not going to kind of subject it to public scrutiny until it's a fait accompli yeah I'm all for transparency and openness until it comes to my wild card Nick what about you? Okay so uh, yeah as I said I'm probably going to sell Son and bring in Bruno Fernandes. I've got a little bit of money already in the bank. I've got 1.5 million in the bank somehow. So can easily make that transfer without having to um, burn one and take a hit. So I've got 0.3 still in the bank as well if I did the move today. So strong um, position. So yeah, I think it, it, it just it works really well, just that swap. So I think I'm going to do that. Um, in terms of the armband... I was thinking, you know, I've kind of got in Calvert Lewin actually at the moment, but I'm not. I don't think I'm going to stick with that. I will probably end up just going for the, the the safer picks, so to speak, of, of Bruno Fernandez. Shove it on him. Back the midfielder. Last time I backed him, though, he did get two points last season, so hopefully it doesn't repeat that. But yeah, I think that's that's the way at least I'm leaning right now. 
um, could could always just um, play ultra safe and put on Salah. He's always an option as well, of course. Um, Captain obvious, maybe. Oh, yeah, yeah, maybe actually. Yeah. You know, um, standard pick there. But um, yeah, uh, thanks everyone for listening. We were who got the assist. Make sure to hit that subscribe button if you haven't already. And we'll be back after the international break. Yep, hopefully joined by the Hibernian Tones, Banfany, once more. In the meantime, hope this is you sum up the last eight game weeks. No matter how it's gone for you, hopefully you've had fun and you're going to stick with it throughout the course of the season. Speak to you next week. Goodbye. Bye. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Podcast Network.